0: Welcome to episode three of the By Race series. I'm your host, Antonia De Heinrich, and every first Monday of the month, we feature a specific race and more importantly, my guest's experience at that race. If you have any extraordinary race experiences you'd like to share as a guest on this podcast, please email us at quitxstartrunning@gmail.com at gmail.com or leave us a voice message with a brief introduction and an overview of your race story. We'd be so excited to hear from you. Today we're going to talk about one of the toughest running races known to, well, uh, me, I guess, the World Marathon Challenge. In this challenge, you have to run seven marathons in seven days across all seven continents. That is over 183 miles within a 168 hour window. Runners cross 16 time zones and only have time to recover in between races on their flight to the next location. I had not heard about this race that starts in Antarctica and ends in Miami until I prepped for my interview with Beth Ann Telford. I was so fascinated with this World Marathon Challenge that I wanted to dedicate a My Race episode to it. And who better to tell the story of this incredible adventure than Beth Ann herself? She ran the World Marathon Challenge in 2017. To raise funds and awareness for pediatric brain cancer research and dedicated all 183 miles to children battling with brain cancer. U-S-A!
1: U-S-A! 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 Now that's Miss state native Beth Van Telford she successfully completed seven marathons in seven days on seven
0: different continents this weekend her final run was yesterday in Sydney Australia Telford who is also battling brain cancer began her journey one week ago on a glacier in Antarctica from there she competed in Chile Miami Madrid Morocco and Dubai.
1: Okay. Great. Job.
0: This is an excerpt from the ABC News coverage about Beth Ann as she crossed the final finish line in Sydney. The 2017 itinerary started in Antarctica, then continued to Punta Arenas in Chile, followed by Miami, Madrid, Marrakesh, Dubai, and concluded with the final race in Sydney. I am so excited to welcome her back. Here's Beth Ann Telford recounting her epic 2017 World Marathon Challenge. let me start over (laughs) welcome back Bethann thank you so much for agreeing to do this with me this morning on such short notice I emailed you yesterday I believe or the day before and uh, you agreed to come on the air with me today so thank you I know yesterday was um kind of a stressful day and you meant to rest today yet you are here so um what went on yesterday
1: Well, you did email me yesterday. I was sitting in John Hopkins and, you know, I had all these people. I have such wonderful friends and and my family. So, you know, my mom posted something on Facebook. So, of course, my... um, my social media blew up, my phone blew up uh, and then I got your your text and it was like, wow, this is breathtaking because it's such, you know, it gets me off of what I had to do there at Hopkins yesterday at my second home. And I was like, sure, you know, let's do this. And then I knew your time frame and all that. So it just worked out well. And I'm so glad to be here with you again. But at Hopkins yesterday, I had a full day of testing. Um, I always... I do love going to Hopkins just because the whole hospital is just you know something I'm so familiar with. There's great areas in there. I, I took a picture in the sanctuary area, which is the original part of Hopkins that has a, a great statue of Jesus in there and people go in there and write prayers down. And it's just a very uh, great place for me to visit because it takes me back to my second brain surgery and on Christmas Eve, my parents and I went down to that area and um, got to hear people talk and have a little service and sing Christmas carols. So it took me back to that, like a very comforting place. But it was just a full day. I found out that I need to get hearing aids. And um new glasses for, you know, my eyes and, you know, the whole rigmarole of doing blood work and that for a cancer patient. But, you know, all in all, I was expecting the outcome of what we found out yesterday. It's very tough to take, but, um, you know, I'm not young anymore. And, you know, the cancer is in me and I've got to deal with it and I'm going to fight on and I have my dad's fighting spirit and my mom's hope So with that and the great group of friends and family that I have, um, this is a cakewalk for me and I can deal with it. And today's a new day. I I expressed to you earlier, I had a great workout this morning with the younger girls that I work out with and then I did yoga and I just felt so strong and it was just relaxing. And now I get to talk to you about something that was so exciting in my life. So um, we should get on with it.
0: Sounds great. Well, I appreciate it again. I I know going to, you know, getting your tests done is, is not fun for you, for your family. And I appreciate it so much more that you took the time today. So thank you. Sure thing. Um, so we did in our last interview, which was only a few weeks ago, touch, went very much in depth on your battle with brain cancer and your life journey and running adventures since your diagnosis in 2005. Do you want to, I mean, for those who haven't heard the episode, would you like to spend a few minutes on summarizing what went on, like very briefly, how you found out you had brain cancer and, and what you've done been doing since?
1: Oh, sure. So this whole, you know, in my tenure growing up until I was 35, you know, I was, you know, athlete. I played competitive uh, sports when I say competitive, I my my whole thing was field hockey. I played field hockey. I loved field hockey. I also played soccer, softball, uh I played a little bit of tennis, but I was always doing things, but I wasn't running per se, except for the mile, what I had to get time for college and you know that. You know, you had to run the mile. And uh, I remember in high school my coach Terry Furster, you know, always pushed us for that. So I dreaded running. But then when I moved to DC after 9-11, you see all these people out on the Potomac River. There's great trails here, you know, running around the city. And I just got interested in it. Um, There was hockey on the mall here in Washington, DC with older uh, women. But I did look into that and it was a little brutal for me. I didn't feel like uh, going into work with casts on me because I heard some, you know, evil stories about that. So I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll take up running. And I did. And my first marathon was the marathon right here in Washington, D.C. And it's the Marine Corps Marathon. And I thought, wow, this is great because if I had to go back in life, I know that I would... uh, I would go into the service and serve our country just after, you know, working for the federal government and working with veterans and all that I I just admire that. So if I had to go back in time, that's one thing that I wish I would have done and I would have went into the Marines. So it was kind of neat that Marine Corps Marathon takes place here. It's a great marathon. You get to see all the great monuments and the crowds are great. I love the race director Rick Nealis. And in 2004, in October, I was running that race and it was very hot. It was the hottest Marine Corps Marathon on record so far. And I it was um, around mile 18, 19 on Haynes Point. The, the course has changed since, but at that time it was that mile marker. I felt a pop in my head, like I was in an airplane or going up in a car, uh, a mountain, and you got to clear your your head um, and make it pop. You know, you, you feel that, and I did feel a pop. And when I did, I looked up and I remember the lamppost and the area that I was in, on, in Haynes Point. And uh, I, I started running, my gait was off almost like I was drunk. Um, so I thought I was dehydrated. Uh, And I went to the next uh, water stop and I tried to take things in and it just didn't work. I did end up finishing that race, but it was uh, the last several miles, you know, the 7.2 were not that great because I just felt uh, like fog brain. And I went to work the next day and at that time I was working for uh, a high level uh, cabinet member for the um, president, and I was forgetting his appointments. Now this is something I've been doing for years for him, and uh, he was missing calls, or I was telling him the wrong person. You know he needed to contact. I got on our metro system here, which is our form of transportation in and out of the city. I live um, in the Virginia area where I got on the metro and went to Maryland, to the last stop in Maryland, totally confused, could not register what I was doing, running into furniture that had been in place for decades, uh, historic furniture. Um, So it was a mess. And three days later, that boss came to me and said, you know, what is going on? He wasn't sure. Um, Later, I found out he thought maybe I was doing you know, maybe alcohol drugs or something because I was so off. And he told me that I needed to figure out what was going on. So at that time I was still being seen, um, I'm from Pennsylvania, Harrisburg, and I was still being seen by a gentleman in Hershey Medical Center, which is in Harrisburg area, Hershey, which is famous for the chocolates. And he, uh, you know, said, you know, go to GW there. It's a great hospital get checked out. Now you have to remember I was very healthy except in schooling I always got headaches and I used to joke with my parents that something was growing in my head because I could not stop these headaches that I got. They were you know debilitating. Um so I went to GW and they gave me a um diagnosis of ear nose throat type situation. I was like, ah, oh, this, this just can't be right because my memory was bad. I, I just was not feeling right. I was walking and it felt like I was tilting to the side, blah, blah, blah. So I talked to the doctor back in Hershey after he reviewed what GW did and he's like, Beth, this is not your MO. Um, I want you uh, to get an MRI there. He talked with the doctor at GW. They set up an MRI. I had the MRI there on K street. I know exactly where it is. I I see the place all the time. And I remember the technician looking at my scans and just the face he made, you knew like something was wrong. So I guess it was a day later, I get a call at work and it was the doctor from GW and he's like, Beth, you need to come in. We need to go over your scans. I'm like, I can't, you know, my job, blah, blah, blah. And you have to remember, this was uh, six, you know, 16, 17 years ago, um, 16 years. Um, So I had to beg with him to, like, tell me over the phone, because there was no way I was going to get down to GW. Now, GW is just on the other side of town. But, you know, I just couldn't leave my work. So after telling him that, you know, this was something I needed to handle, he tells me that, I have uh, what's called a brain tumor. And I was like, what, well, you know, what's that again, you're talking 16 years ago. I never heard of brain cancer, brain tumors or whatever. I mean, it's just something you never heard about it. Breast cancer was big. AIDS was big. You know, all of that was huge prostate. So I was like, what, what are you talking about? He's like, well, we need, we need to chat. He goes, he, he took everything to Dr. Wida who's in Hershey medical and you wanted to have a conference and, and get this moving. So of course, what's the first thing you do when your your doctor gives you a diagnosis of something you get online and you Google it, which he told me not to do. But of course I didn't know anything about, you know, brain tumors. And all I saw on Google was like death rates. And I mean, it was morbid and, um, I immediately just lost it there. And, you know, I had my first surgery that following year, April, 2005, after looking at many doctors and thanks to my boss at the time, his wife really took my whole medical file and took me everywhere to uh, make sure I had the right physician and surgeon, neurosurgeon. And we ended up at John Hopkins. And to this day, just like yesterday, I mean, I, I just text him and he, you know, he, he gives me answers. He's just a wonderful man. I feel like he's not a doctor, but he's a friend and he saved my life. And he was the only one that really gave me the chance with um, surgery because where the tumor is, it's um, on the left uh, major blood vessel to the brain. So if it was cut, uh, that would be it. So. You know, I had my first surgery in April two thousand and five at Hopkins, and uh, to this day, you know, I've lost sight in my left eye. I've uh, I seizure. Uh, I've had another brain surgery since then, and then I had a major surgery at GW with a wonderful doctor. I I am so blessed with all these wonderful doctors that have become like great friends of mine. So I don't even feel. I mean, I, I have their personal numbers, so if I need something. I don't take advantage of it, but I'm able to reach out to them on their personal phones and and get back to them. Um, I had a bladder augmentation because I lost uh, the ability to control the bladder. And I do have a neurostimulator for that as well, which is kind of like a pacemaker to help the bladder pump. But through all of this, uh, I perceived and still to this day and use my athletic abilities to raise money and awareness for pediatric uh, cancer, mostly brain cancer. And I've been doing that for Accelerate Brain Cancer Cure for many years since I've been um, diagnosed and raised personally um, as an individual over a million dollars and Was able to do this epic event that we're really here to talk about, which is the World Marathon Challenge. Back, uh, it's been three years, but it feels like it—it was just yesterday. And if it was um, coming up, I would be packing. Uh, I remember in December of 2016, I was packing. My whole house had things laid out for each continent, and uh, we can talk about that um, as we go forward.
0: I love it. Yeah, I. Thank you for, for summarizing, again, your journey, because it, it's been quite the ride. I, you, and we haven't even touched on your athletic achievements in this one. I encourage people to listen to the last uh, podcast with Beth Ann, where we talk about a lot of the athletic achievements and the fundraising that comes along with it. So today we want to focus on a particular race that we didn't go into much detail on last time, which is the World <laughs> Marathon Challenge um as the title of the podcast indicates it was seven continents seven days and seven marathons but seven consecutive days seven consecutive marathons so it was a crazy undertaking so how did you find out about this world marathon challenge and what was it that inspired you to consider such a crazy race or challenge and what 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 did you have to do to enter
1: Okay. So just to like, how did I find out about it was uh, in in the last podcast, I discuss about my friends. I love my friends. I cherish every single one of them. Everyone's different, but they're crazy as hell. And I'll tell you why, because they send me these uh, articles or links. You got to try this. You got to do this. Let's run this marathon. Um, but it's just like when I did the Kona Ironman World Championships. I was like, "Okay, this is great. I can do it." But then, you know, you sign up, and then you get in, and it's like, "What the hell did I just get myself into? Can I do this?" So the World Marathon Challenge, of course, someone sent to me and said, "Beth, what a way to raise money and and your awareness. I know you can do this." So I read over this, and I'm when I first see it, I'm thinking, okay, seven marathons, seven continents, what a way to travel the world. But I didn't know it was seven consecutive days. And uh because of that, I use that that little uh blurb to get my doctors to approve this, which I'll talk about in a minute. But um you know, friends sent it to me and then I investigated it a little bit more and I thought, you know what, I I can do this. I can do this. I have a year to train. Um, All I need to do is get the foundation on board, get a sponsor. And I reached out to the girl that had done it the year prior. And I I have great relationship with her now, Becca Pisa, who's up in Boston. And she really gave me great tips great training. And I was able to um, register after I went to the fundraiser, Accelerate Brain Cancer Cure. And we all sat down and I said, well, I got something, you know, that I think would be great for us to go forward with. And I was a little nervous because the entry fee is not cheap. I had in mind the person that we were going to have to sponsor me, who's out of Florida and just amazing, amazing man and his wife. I, again, they're great friends of mine. We, he just became a grandfather and, you know, just all these exciting things that we get to share. But so I'm sitting at the table in DC at ABC squared um, and I'm showing them this stuff and they're looking and they're like, wow, this is, this is great. So my eyes popped open I'm, and here's that moment where you say, okay, what the hell did I just do? Because if they're gonna say yes, I've got to follow through with this. <laughs> so they know I'm crazy as do my doctors, but they were on board as long as we got the sponsor because we don't wanna take any money from you know, finding a cure for cancer. And I was also a little worried about it because, you, you know, having a sponsor is great, but I would have rather it gone to the cure and not to this, but we made that up in the fundraising part. So I felt really good about that. Uh, So they agreed to it as long as all my doctors we're on board. So I thought, okay, I can, I can get this. So I meet with Dr. Brem at Hopkins and I'm getting like all of the approvals from my urologist to just my medical team, everyone. But the best one was Dr. Brem because he was the one that they were worried about. So I went in there and I said, you know, Dr. Brem, I'm I'm going to do something. It's going to help you. We're going to, you know, get a, a lot of money and a lot of uh newsworthy looking at brain cancer through this. And he was like, wow. So I said, seven marathons on seven continents. Okay. So I left out like the seven day thing (laughs) just so I could get the approval in a way I did, but, uh, you know, I kind of said it was like in a week. I don't think he grasped that I think he thought like I did when I first read it that it's just seven marathons, seven continents in in a time frame not 168 hours because that's the time that you get it starts the clock starts on the first you know marathon when the when the bell goes off and it ends in 168 hours and that's travel time that's everything so he approved it which i was so excited about i went back in abc squared so you know they they corresponded everything was on board and i started my training
0: yeah which is another whole story right because you okay so how did you do you remember the day when you found out that you were accepted like how how much time passed between your decision to enter and and um knowing that you were accepted and what was that like was it pure excitement or was it like you said what the hell did i just get myself into <laughs> well training <laughs> well, right so tell, oh, tell yeah. me how you prepared
1: okay so when i found out what we had to do of course was get the sponsor and um not only did the sponsor pay for me but they paid for a lady to uh go with me to do my meds, to do all the media, to push back to the foundation, you know, pictures. So we had a group on, on ground here in, in, uh, DC working the whole thing, but I had someone right there at my side, you you know, changing out my shoes and, uh, making sure I was eating and sleeping, massaging me. She was doing everything. She was, she was the bomb. And, um, She uh, was great at social media. She's from New York City, now lives here in DC. The great thing about Megan uh, is that her niece has had a brain tumor and that's how I met her. So it it was just all intertwined. Um, And as soon as the sponsor pulled the, the trigger on the check, that's when I knew I was in and I had to then make sure that Richard, who is the race director, got that. And I was accepted as the USA female. So when I found out it was that moment, um, of course, when the sponsor was like, sure, I think this is great. Uh, you know, we, we need to do this. And he was always, you know, wanting to sponsor me in something. And I thought this would be a great thing. So then, you know, I had that, oh my God moment. He did say yes. Cause I, I wasn't sure how you know, these people take it. I knew him, but not as well as I do now. And then, um, it really hit home when Richard sent me the email that, uh, I'm officially in and here's the schedule. And I thought, holy hell, thank you friends for doing this to me.
0: That's when you really, the, the 168 hours really hit home.
1: Oh yeah. When I got that you know, from Richard, uh, Donovan and I was like, oh my God. Um, But then in the back of my head, you know, I was um, thinking, this is such a great way to have these kids that I really fight for. In fact, yesterday when when I told you I was at Hopkins and I was at that special place and people write prayers, I wrote a prayer for for my kids, not for me, for the the kids. And I I call my kids the pediatric warriors out there, some people that I don't even know. Some people that have really touched my heart, some people that have left my heart, because the fact that they've moved on to the next part of their life as far as they're no longer here. And then I prayed for my parents and my sisters and my friends, and um, that is including you, my friend. Um, I, I prayed for everyone because I wouldn't be here without all these people. So. You know, it was just like, even though I have crazy friends and they put me in these situations, I knew in my heart that I could do the World Marathon Challenge because I was not doing it for Ann Telford. I was doing it for pediatric cancer, especially brain cancer. And I knew and I've told you in the prior podcast that, you know, if it's in your heart, you're going to you're going to push the limit and succeed and it it definitely is in my heart so i had no problem with that so you know then was the time after i got that email i took like a couple days breath and i'm thinking you know first of all like what do i pack you know what do i do you know i'm on the phone with becca i'm like freaking out you know i had a year but then i hooked up with my race coach um that i had for the iron man world championship she is just awesome and we hooked up and i told her what i was going to do and at first she was pretty uh lenient about trying to train me for it but we went out we had a lunch together we discussed what was going to happen and how intense it was going to be and i was like i'm all on and she wrote out a plan for me um, we trained together she monitored everything and um, you know, it was just awesome that uh, we were able to train again uh, together. And she's also from the Pennsylvania area and she lives in DC. So another, you know, just kind of tied to my hometown. And I started training and I would wake up very early cause I'm already up early, but I'd wake up in the wee hours of the morning and do training in the morning, go to work, At lunch, if I had a a break at lunch, I would do runs on the mall or speed work. And then I would uh, come home and do strength work or another run. So it just varied, but I was working two to three times a day out. And then I would have a rest day and then I got a massage a lot. Um, You know, I did a lot of self help, you know, to try to get through it injury free. Uh, But I, I, really credit my trainer for doing that. She, she's awesome. And, um, you know, we just trained hard. Uh, there was times that I was like, I can't do this. I got tired. Um, cause I was still working my full-time job on top of all of this. And, right. you know, um, it was tough. I was trying to eat right. Um, uh, not that I don't eat right, but there is times that I like to grab McDonald's French fries or something like that. And, um, I just knew the whole goal, how she had me doing this was, we were backing off my marathon times considerably. Um, and we were slowing me down so that I could finish all seven. So I knew, I mean, that, that actually took a toll on my body when I went, you know, after the world marathon challenge to try to increase my pace again, but now I'm with, uh, a run coach at a running facility here in DC for the last year. And he's been working on that because I slowed my pace down from like a 345, 350 marathon pace. We were running four thirties. So that's a considerable slow, right? Um, but I did keep it consistent over the seven marathons. She was worried that I would do faster, but, um, you know, I I did keep it consistent. And now I'm working with Jim at FRC and trying to increase my pace. So that's where we got, um, you know, the training and everything, but it was just, it was grueling. So
0: (laughs) I can only imagine. I mean, we're talking about a full year of training, you know, three to four workouts a day. And I mean, y- either you, you must've gone in. How, how did you feel when you went in? You must've been in the best shape of your life.
1: Yeah, I was. I, uh, unlike now where I'm, I'm underweight, unfortunately, because they put me on a new treatment and um, I'm down on my weight. Uh, I I felt good. I mean, I was strong. I uh, definitely was, you know, I was tight. Um, I'm tight now, but I've just, it was. You know, I felt really good and I felt relaxed and I felt, wow, you know, um, even though I'm going slow, I'm going to finish this. And, you know, I I just felt strong. And um, for that, again, I I thank her because I'm the type of person that on runs, you know, I'm running with these girls that are 20 years younger than me. And we're taking people down as we see them on the run course. Like you see someone in front of you and you're like, okay, I'm gonna get that chick because I can beat her. There's no way she's faster than me. And so it was hard for me to to go from a 345, you know, 350 marathon and cut it back to, you know, 430. And, and that is a great marathon finish. No one's gonna say that's not. But for someone that's competitive and wants to get into Boston, it's hard.
0: Oh, completely. And uh, it's it's interesting how it's almost harder to slow down. I mean, I'm already slow to begin with. So for me, it's not that hard. But for somebody <laughs> who, <laughs> who runs faster and starts uh, their training, like uh, the Zone 2 training, for example. Yep. You know, that even for me, I think it would be hard, even though I do run slower than normal, I, or than you, for example, I would think it would be hard to consistently try to slow myself down. It's easier almost for me to speed myself up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I can, I can sort of see that and doing that for a year is, (laughs) is training your your muscle response, your mu- muscle memory is going to run that slow. So, yeah. And I,
1: again, it did, uh, unfortunately, but fortunately, you know, it did mess my times up for going forward, but the goal was to complete it. So I either took one or the other and I wanted to complete this. I knew I could. And, um, you know, for that I'm fine. And right now I, um, you know, I'm working on my speed with a, a different run coach. It's not that I don't like the other coach, but, uh, he specializes in running and I want to get back, uh, to where I was and, and I'm actually almost there. I had a great workout with him this morning, so I feel good about it. And it was something that I had to pay to, to get where I needed to get through the world marathon.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, no, good for you. So, okay. So you spent a year training for probably one of the most, if not the most epic running challenge of your life. So tell us about the race that whirlwind week of marathoning around the globe. Details would be awesome.
1: Yeah. So, um, it started, uh, of course I had to pack in my house at this time three years ago was just a mess. I had each continent. I had, you know, my clothing and, uh, You know, trying to figure out what to take was like probably the biggest thing. Thank God, you know, for uh, Becca giving me information. And also another gentleman who happens to be from Texas who's in Congress now, um, which I'm very excited about because now he's here. He was in the Texas Senate. Now he's in um, the House of Representatives here in DC just starting a couple weeks ago. And he helped me as well to get my stuff together for the event. So I left a, a few days early and we boarded, we left from Dallas Airport. And uh, of course, prior to that, just to jump back, I had to get, you know, um, I had my passport, of course, but you had to get shots and all that because you were going to different continents and, you know, I had to do all my doctor's appointments. I did them in December before I left. So I was ready. Um I, uh, you know, we, we got ready and went to Dallas airport and had a great send off. People were there cheering us on. I was scared. Um, I'll have to tell you that I uh, was very nervous and I did feel like a rock star for the people that came out to cheer me on, um, to say goodbye. Um, and... We were packed and ready, and Megan and I got out there. And I I Alyssa, who um I failed to tell you her name. That's that's my coach, Alyssa Morrison. You know, she she gave me the last minute uh instructions and we boarded and we flew to Chile and went to Chile and um it was Punta Arenas, spent some time there, uh, got acclimated, uh, hung out. That was the meeting point for everyone. That's where we had our first uh meeting about the world marathon challenge we got to meet the other participants and it was kind of like one of those things you eye people up as they came into the room for this uh, for this overview of the world marathon with the race director because you're like and, and again, I wasn't there to win, but in the back of my head, I'm thinking, can I can I beat her? Um, you know, and you just eye these people up and they were in regular clothes. They, half of us weren't in right, running clothes, we were in jeans and t-shirts. And, you know, it's just that you, you just look at people and think, you know, what what is their goal? What are they here for? But at the end of the day and at the end of the seven marathons, we were like a big family and um, so back to Chile, you know, we spent time there. I, I got, you know, a couple of days to look and, and run Chile and run the course. That wasn't our first course, but that's where we boarded a big Russian aircraft that is uh, the only type of aircraft that can land in Antarctica. You know, it's an ice, it's a big cargo plane, which was so cool. It's run by the Russians. Uh, They were flying it, they were manning it. There was a guy and it was just like a big open cargo. We could go back and lay down. All our equipment was back there, but there was seating. Um, But uh, it was just so cool. We could see the bottom of the plane um, up in the cockpit is all open as far as you know the bottom you can see what you're landing on I guess I'm assuming it's for the pilots but they videoed that for us as we landed in Antarctica on the ice and I'll tell you what I was just like over the moon I was like this chick is going to run around the world I am flying around the world how else would I be able to do this and I know it's so freaking cool so um, we landed in Antarctica and I was like, oh, cool. I'm going to see some neat things. Well, it was just all white, all cold and tense and a mess hall, um, which, you know, we were there for a couple of days before we went off again to get acclimated and we were waiting. Uh, the race director had to time when the 168 clock started ticking enough for us to finish the marathon there. And make sure the weather was good that immediately after we finished the marathon, we would get on the plane and the plane would be able to depart because there's there's storms come in there fast and furious. Um, And I found that out on the race course. So we were there for a few days. I actually um, got to ride a mountain bike, uh, oversized mountain bike on the Antarctica. That was cool. I filmed that. I got to learn how to play Jenga. I never played that game before. That's kind of an inside joke with my family, um, learning Jenga. I, uh, hours before we started the marathon, I spent $15 a minute to call home just to hear my parents' voice, to let them know I was calling from Antarctica and um, to let them know uh, that I was, I was gonna do this and that I would see them in a few days in Miami on the third uh, marathon. And I just wanted to hear my parents' voice and know that, um, they were with me and how cool is it to get a call from Antarctica? So I did do that. I
0: love those details. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it
1: was just like, you know, so cool. And, uh, in Antarctica, you know, people were punching their passports. I probably shouldn't say this because it wasn't really legal, but we did it so that you were there in Antarctica. So I punched my passport, um, And, uh, we took off and the race director was ready. He, he called us into the mess tent and uh, there was this girl, she, uh, is blind and her name is Sinead. She's from Ireland. She was doing it with a guide and I was holding it all well together, especially after talking to my parents, but when she lost it, um, I think she you know, started a wave with the women there. (laughs) And I couldn't hold it in too much. I was crying. um, Not, not aimlessly. I just was like, oh my God, this is real. This is real. And it wasn't what the hell? It's like, how do I get out of here? (laughs) But, you know, at the end of the day, we all comfort each other. We knew uh, we were going to get through this together. We all helped each other uh, physically and mentally, which was huge. And um, the race started and I was able to run that race. It was slow. And I got stuck in the storm that came through. So I was running in Um, There was a path for it, but I was running in drifts up to my knees. What was really cool was a couple when uh, the day before we took off, and this is something I didn't share with you prior, was these guys were out taking video and exploring parts of Antarctica. There was like four of them. Um, that have never been explored before in, in doing stuff for scientific research. And they heard on the radio that there was some marathon and they were running out of provisions and they were eating actually just raw potatoes. So they decided to come in early one to see this marathon and two, they needed food. And I, I found this great guy. He, he, he wanted to see the, um, the USA female. So you know, we met and he was an an older gentleman and he actually was from Virginia. He worked for the governor of Virginia in in like the ecological part of it. And he's out there exploring Antarctica. He says, I want a crew for you. And I was like, okay, um, how are you gonna do that? He goes, my cross country skis and I'll carry all your stuff. So he literally did the 26.2 and he pushed me. It was hard to hear him because of the wind and everything. But there's great pictures uh, on the website of him and I, him on our skis with the American flag. Um, but as someone that I just will cherish to this day, because how, you know, again, it intertwined. This guy was from Virginia, where I live, and just a great guy. And he, he cross-country skied the whole time, got me through the drifts, told me I was going to be fine, and... Um, so as soon as we were all done with this race, which of course I did it slow, it was one of the slower marathons that I did. Um, we immediately, no showers, nothing. Uh, we were packed prior.
0: So you were, you were in full, like snow pants, snow thing, completely decked out in snow gear, right?
1: So you you get hot. So I did, you know, I wasn't in ski pants, no, but I was in very warm, um, warm leggings that were tight you know i had two layers on, and then i had a parka on which becca told me to wear and then i had solomon um you know ice running shoes they were great so if anyone needs them they've only been run in antarctica i have them (laughs) because i don't see a need for them again but um yeah and in and then i did run in the new balance because we were the story behind the new balance was they sponsored me and each marathon, I ran a half marathon in design shoes by pediatric uh, warriors or their family. And on one side was painted the flag of the country. And the other side was the uh, drawing that either the family um, of a loved one that passed or someone that is fighting pediatric cancer now uh, drew and they're just awesome. And the man that did them is a firefighter here at, in Arlington. Um, Great guy. And he does artistic work on the side and he did all, um, you know, 14 pairs of them. And they're just stunning. Again, you can see pictures of them. And uh, so that's what I wore in, of course, gloves and then special uh, glasses because of the sun, the glare on this. So you had to buy special glasses. You know, I couldn't wear, you know, my Rudy projects or, or oakley's you had to get a special pair which actually had like this great leather on the side um you know to keep the glare out of the sides so yeah and some of the elite runners like michael wardian i mean they they ran you know like they were running here in dc on a cold day um but those guys are crazy so i'm I'm gonna give it to them you know
0: (laughs) okay you said there were snow drifts but was most of the surface actual packed snow or was it ice or what was the surface like
1: yeah, it was like packed snow. Like uh think about when you're at a ski lift or uh out on a road when they haven't really um they haven't really plowed, but it's it's pushed down yet, yeah, was like that. So it was slippery, okay. yet you could grasp it because it was soft. But Got I'll it. tell you what, it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. I mean, so serene and quiet. Um you know, it's, it's just amazing. And love running in the snow yeah yeah it's it's
0: not you know knee deep and every step is a struggle but i love running on snowy surfaces
1: yeah and and i love this is my favorite time of the year from thanksgiving to uh you know february i just love this time of the year i'm a big snow you know i ski i love i just love it um so it, it was beautiful but you know we we finished that race and literally we were packed prior um like i said we slept in these tents i i had to get a uh you know they gave you these special you know 100 degree uh bags to sleep in but it's just really neat i mean just the whole concept of how they live up there and they get their provisions on this cargo we were bringing that in and taking people out and um, it was something to see i know people go up to antarctica and they they go on a boat thing but you have to get on the land and then to meet these geologists or whatever they their term was that came in because they were living on raw potatoes and they heard over the two-way that this event was happening and they wanted to see it um was just you know just breathtaking to me the whole seven days or at every continent, there was something that happened that I just, I couldn't believe. And as we go forward, I'll tell you about them, but we got on the plane. So I was still in my run gear and um, we got on the Russian plane in, you know, I didn't change there. We went back to Chile and we got off that plane and went to the hotel, had enough time to change Um, into what I needed to run there it was it wasn't really hot there because it was you know down on the the far end of um, South America and uh, you know I just changed I had a couple bites to eat um, and we took off again for another 26.2 And the clock was ticking through all of this. And so you can just imagine, you know, the race directors like, look, you know, we're on a time thing. If you can't make it, you know, you're gonna have to get out. So everyone made it through the first one um, in Antarctica. So then we run Chile which was great a lot of people came out for that and again each one of these was loops so you 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 say it, you saw the same people people were like how did you run loops and it wasn't bad at all because you knew what to expect when it's like an uh, you know an all over like the marine corps you know i know that that map by the back of my head now but if you're just running it for the first time it's like god how much longer whereas in loops I think is easier because you know what to expect. It might be boring, but so it was fun. People came out, um, of course, each place other than Antarctica, we did media and the media was out there and I did an interviews there. We changed the shoes. We got great film um, of all of that. Megan was great. She was supporting like everyone um, because people really didn't have support people like I was able to have. I was blessed. So she kind of, you know, Sherpa for Mike Wardian and and Ryan Hall. Ryan Hall is a very famous runner. Um, His wife just won London second place, which is great. Um, And he's an Olympic winner and now, you know, was trying to do this event to raise money for the dream center in la out by you uh, yeah
0: i i didn't realize ryan and you ran in the same race
1: yep yeah and, and and i'll tell you a story about the last marathon because i'm gonna hold it against him and and yeah <laughs> we're friends to this day he's a great guy a really great guy you know he's uh he's someone i played volleyball with in, in antarctica and uh, just got to know him and very him and his wife i had met prior uh when i first started running here in dc um, very religious, very great, great group of, uh, people. Yeah. You know, Sarah is from Santa Rosa. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. She's, uh, she's a cutie and I'm so proud of her. I was watching her in London and, uh, you know, I texted Ryan and just so proud of her because she really tried and uh, the way she ended London was just incredibly unbelievable.
0: Um, yeah if anyone
1: has a chance to watch it you actually see ryan right there when she gets ready to pass the person that was in second and she just kind of kicked ass and i was just is and her kids who are all adopted um are are running and they're doing awesome so uh i know
0: i've been trying to get sarah on um on the my race series to talk about london actually
1: okay well um we'll talk later but maybe i can put my two cents in with ryan
0: That would be awesome. I would love that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, They're great people. So, and anyway, Anyway. back to, uh, back to this, but uh, so we, you know, during Chile, all I could think about um, other than the kids, which I thought a lot about, because we got, I got some amazing letters, amazing gifts that I took along. I think I even had like a whole bag of them, like suitcase bag of things that I needed to open up each country. The kids did that and that kept me going on the plane because you can only imagine the adrenaline that was going. I couldn't sleep. It was hard for me to eat. I was doing IVs on the plane. The bags were hanging from the overhead. So I had these great things to read. And so I thought about that a lot. And I thought about um, in Chile, I thought, oh God, this is great. Cause I'm headed to Miami. I'm headed home and I'm gonna see my people. And um, that's, I just get through this. And so I got number two down and we got, now remember, we're not on a Russian plane anymore. We go to the airstrip and we're not in the regular area. We're in the elite area where you get the private planes. So this is like, uh, this is, great, you know? Yeah. So we all get out in. Uh, after running a course, you know, you don't get showers, you get to the to the executive area of elite flying. And, you know, there's only like three or four bathrooms, uh, there, stalls for women. So some of us were like undressing in front of other people. I remember, like I was helping Ryan pack his bags at one of the elite plate, you know, executive airstrips, um, because he was trying to find stuff and you know, we were just stripping down in front of each other. It's like, you know, we were just brothers and sisters at this point, you know, it was like a, it was almost like a triathlon where you're, you're changing and going to the bathroom in areas that you never thought you would. Yeah, you're in, so, you're in T3 now, right? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we got on this plane and, and at that point you picked out your seat that you would then for the next six flights would take. And you 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 did your overhead you got yourself acclimated and um you you more or less stayed there the rest of the time and that was your seat and um great aircraft it was uh you know reclining seats uh i was very uh interested to see how some of the elite runners this one triathlete who had who had one kona He, um, and I think he was from the Netherlands, I can't really remember, but they were right beside us and they would sleep with their head down at the feet rest and their feet up at the headrest. So I was like, okay, please tell me what this is doing. He's like, "Uh, the blood, it's like going different places and I need it in the upper part of my body. I'm thinking, well, you use your legs to run. So it's just very interesting, everyone's little tips and, and triggers that they used and you know, some of the guys, this one guy from Canada who I just adore. And of course we keep in good touch. Uh, he's a or and he, um, brought along, you know, the compression leg things. So we were all sharing those, um, you know, <laughs> even these days, huh? Oh <laughs> yeah. I mean, the things that we were sharing, I, I ended up, and I'll talk to you about this, sharing my IV and it actually helped a man. Um, right. and, and, and it's, he's from the dream center and, um, out there in LA. Uh, so anyway, we got to Miami and I got off the plane and we got to the race start and, you know, the best sight to see was your family and friends. And um, my dad's like, are we going to have dinner tonight? And I was like, dad, do you realize <laughs> I'm on the clock. I can't sit down and have dinner. He's like, well, I thought I'd see you. I said, you're going to see me every loop that I do. And Miami, of course, was my fastest race. And it's only because I had chicks there 20 years younger than me, pacing me. And the one girl who is a reporter, Jen, you know, she was running with me. And I said, Jen, you know, she was all excited to meet Ryan Hall. And when she met him, like her dream came true. And I know she was there for me, but I said, Jen, why don't you go run with Ryan, interview him? She just wanted, you know, she was a reporter. I said, I'm okay you've run with me. And her uh, husband was there and he never ran a marathon. He ran the whole marathon with me and uh, great people. One of the doctors and uh, researchers from University of Florida, um, she ran with me and they just all encouraged me. And of course, every time I came around, I saw my parents and my little niece was there. Um, She's not little, she's 18, but at the time she was, uh, you know, 15, 16. She was on a bike and she knows all my friends. so you know, it was just awesome. And you know, South Beach, that's where it was is is Lovely. beautiful. That's
0: so fun.
1: Oh yeah, I love South Beach. and I was there the year be- before with my niece to watch Becca do it. So, you know, it's just beautiful. And of course every time my dad's like, how much longer, you know, how many more loops? but it was it was great. We did uh, a lot of uh, it, it, you know, press there, of course. And uh, that that was great. The only thing is, you know, um, saying goodbye. My parents had um, a switch of suitcases. I gave them everything from Antarctica and Chile, and I said, "Mom, do the wash, please, and um, you know, just store everything, and we'll worry about it later." Uh, so they they had they were spending extra time in Miami. I have a uh, my best friend Dawn is there, so they were there. Um, And they spend some extra time, but you know it was very tough uh, saying goodbye. And they came to the hotel. We were able to shower there very quickly, Um, and of course they shuttled us out. And my parents were there. And you know, my dad's like, "Well, what about dinner?" He's like, "Still stuck on dinner." I'm like, "Dad, I am off. I, you know,
0: you don't understand. I'm going
1: to Spain. I'm going to Spain, Dad. I can't sit down and have a glass of wine and a steak with you tonight." So he was, he just, I don't think he grasped it until, you know, he heard some of the interviews that happened and then looked at the map, but he was like, you know, we all got in a van and it was so hard to wave goodbye. Cause I thought, you know, this is number three I have four more continents. How am I going to do it with just Megan? And I'm not discounting Megan, but you know I needed my mom to hold my hand and my dad to say you know, you're tough and it was almost, but impossible, you know, to talk to them on the phone because we were moving so fast. Um, so waving goodbye, my niece like kind of ran with the van for a while and I was crying and you um, just emotional things and kind of wish that was the last one in a sense. I was
0: just gonna ask you that,
1: yeah. But, but in in sense, it was good. That was kind of in the middle because it gave me a hype because I think I misspoke because when we got to Spain, Spain was my fastest, and I think it, it was because I was on a high, um, so we got to to Spain, and um, what a beautiful, I mean, I felt like I was in Italy again, um, and you being in the wine industry, I mean, you know Spain is just absolutely stunning, and the course that we ran on in this park, um, it was hills, so I, I like to tackle hills, and I it just reminded me of my home, uh, in Pennsylvania. I live on this street called Elmhurst and it's a tree and that's the type of trees that were there. I don't think they were elms, but they were close to it. And I felt like I was running in my home, um, like development there. It was just beautiful. And the food was awesome. We did get to eat there quickly. Um, in
0: uh, in Madrid.
1: Oh yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, you think of the bullfighters and that. And it's just, uh, that's one place I do want to go back. So we had, we had press there, which was interesting because it was, in you know, you know, Spanish. And also um, one of the ladies came out that used to live here in DC and is over there now. And she was out there for me and other people that I never met that heard my story came out to all continents. And it was just kind of, it was relaxing because I knew it was just reassurance of why I was there. And again, it wasn't about Bethy and Telford. It was about these kids that are underfunded compared to uh, an adult, which I ex- expressed to you in our last talk. You know, kids are, you know, 4.1%, 4.1% that they get government funding. And, you know, adults are over 40 some odd percent. So it's ridiculous how how underfunded children are, our future and to me that was you know my whole you you know uh, platform right yeah so after after madrid like i said we got to eat um no showers uh so you can imagine how the plane was starting to smell (laughs) (laughs) and i just have to say there was some people that didn't change their clothes at all so um how How? yes it was nasty but i'm glad they were in the you know the back part of the plane because, um, it was, it was nasty, but, you know, we got to know each other really well. Like I said, I mean, there was stuff going on that, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't behind me to whip off my sports bra in front, you know, in front of everyone and just kind of put on a new sports bra. It's just like, okay, this is like a triathlon, you know, it's going to happen. And all these people, you know, they were fine. It, It was just Again, we had the best group. We all got along. There wasn't any issues. And so we left Madrid and headed to um, Marrakesh. And I'll tell you what, um, that was humbling. It it just, uh, see the camels. It was like, uh, oh my God, this is a dream. You know, you see this on National Geographic or Aerial uh, Geographic. And here I was up close and personal. And I do have a Vespa, the, the scooter, but mine only carries two over there. They carry a whole darn family. And I am not kidding you. I have pictures of children on the front handlebars and three to four people on the back. I believe and,
0: it. I've I've seen oh, crazy things in Vietnam. Like Vietnam oh, it's very- like that.
1: It's like that. And yeah. this is their transportation and that's the majority is scooters and Of course, over there, you know, women aren't to run. So in respect of the country, uh, I looked into it prior, I talked to Becca, you know, I had a longer sleeve shirt on, and I did have shorts because this is so hot, you know. But uh, after running a few laps, you know, I did discard the long sleeve shirt and I went to a tank, but it was a full tank. It wasn't a sports tank. So my belly was covered, but it's really not good to have your arms exposed so forth and so on. But the best part of this whole race there in Marrakesh was one of the the locals, females, came out and she asked who the female was from the United States. She wanted to meet me. And, uh, it was interesting because the only thing that we had in common is she had shoes on to run. Now they weren't uh, Nikes or Brooks. They were just like tennis shoes. I don't even know the brand. And she wanted to run with me. And I mean, I couldn't tell what she looked like. I had no clue how old she was, but we ran together and she she took a risk.
0: Yeah. And, you run yeah. the whole thing with you
1: not the whole thing. She just ran a little bit. She was, you know, they're not used to running and she just wanted to do some. So I, you know, I asked her, she asked me personal questions and I in turn said, I I just want to know what you look like. I mean, what is this like for you? And she goes, I'm taking a risk. You know, we talked and it was just so personal and you know, she's a beautiful woman, beautiful. And to hide that out of respect of her country and, and, and things was just amazing, because she was stunning, and uh, just inside and out, and it was just humbling for me, because something that you and me, and your listeners take for granted, they can't do, and you know, when we would come around the street side, because we were running through park and street, you know, we got called names, now I had no idea what they were saying, but she would translate it, and of course, I'm not going to say it on this podcast, but One, she said that they were uh, talking because I didn't have my arms covered. And two, they were, uh, you know, yelling at her um, profoundly. Mm -hmm. And the lady that was from Italy, she was in front of me. um, And she, uh, you know, got kind of she uh, one of the mopeds swerved into her. Um, and so when she was trying to, um, get away from it, she kind of tripped and, you know, unfortunately, you know, she kept going after she got up, but it slowed her gait down. I ended up, you know, taking her down, not in a good way, but, um, you know, I, cause she was just strong as anything. She was a great runner. And, um, so I was able to get her on that race, but only in fun and only because of something that happened. But that happened a lot you know the mopeds would try to try to get the women and when i say that try to run into them it was it was sad um but that was probably the the most humbling part of the whole marathon except the finish which we'll get to but running with her and learning about you know the that country and 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 how it how it is so right after that of course we um back to the hotel that we had stayed at and were able to shower in Morocco. So again, some people didn't, they just grabbed their stuff. I did some shopping for like five minutes in in the hotel, got some cool things and um, we took off. And our next one was the long flight to uh, Dubai, which I was very excited about because, you know, I read about all these places and you, you hear about, how they built this, you know, palm tree island out of sand and everything is gold. Well, it's the truth. Everything. You don't want to touch anything there. It is uh, amazing, beautiful. But uh, that was uh, a long flight over there. And uh, unfortunately, the temperature in Dubai was just earth shattering hot Oh
0: my god I can't imagine was it was the course in in the city or was it on one of those It it
1: was on um it was it was outside the city along the water and it was all open no freaking trees no coverage nothing and it was the hottest marathon I mean we're talking hot now Remember, I'm running with a brain tumor and heat just kind of kills me when it gets to, you know, when you get over 100 degrees, it's like, whoa. And this is where all of us really came together uh, as a team and there was no competition. And I remember, you know, the first place guy, the fastest man in the world, Mike Wardian, who lives just, you know, miles from me, was handing me bags of ice, you know, as he was running out and uh, everyone else, you know, helping each other, giving fluids, and because you would go out and come back in these loops, and sometimes, you know, people were walking by now. Some of them uh, had dropped out in Miami. Um, one guy blew both of his Achilles heels, a guy from Canada, so he was out, Gosh. and, you know, fatigue fatigue is starting to set in, and then you get these, you know, three-digit degrees, and you really are testing yourself. Um, I just took it slow. Uh, I helped people, but, you know, a lot of ice was back and forth. And that was a that was a real that was my slowest marathon. So I misspoke when I when I said um, Antarctica was but Dubai was my slowest. Antarctica was second. Um, And it was because of the heat. And I my my head was just killing me. I had a migraine. Um, There was points that I ran, walked it just to get my heart rate down. Uh, but I did finish, um, and I was able to stay out there and help the other people finish in after I got, you know, fluids and, and electrolytes back into my body. Uh, but it's one of those things. It's like, you're on the verge of, um, you know, hypothermia, but the wrong way. And it's, that's not a good thing. So, uh, when i told you i shared one of my iv bags we got on the plane in dubai right after running and of course we really smelled after that race especially the men and um, you know we were so hot we were changing in the airport and on the plane uh one of the guys who was with ryan hall uh you know was got he had some heart issues that were prior like years prior so he thought he was fine he didn't he, he was having some kind of episode on the plane. So they, I had extra IVs and thank God because that really pumped him up again. So some people were using some of my IVs and uh, you know, I was happy to help, especially in a med, he, he actually got off the plane um, as soon as we landed our next place in Australia and um, went to the hospital. So, um, which, we were glad to have the IV because that helped out considerably. IVs just kickstart you, I I feel. And, um, but in the flight from Dubai to Australia, we had a lot of time. Um, I slept, I was ready. I couldn't believe I was on my last marathon. I felt great. I had felt great the whole time, except for in Dubai. I, you know, my head, I had a migraine, but we, we tackled that. And in the plane, the race director got up and said, look, you know, um, this is our last race. There was a prior uh, participant. This was the second year they did it. So the year before a gentleman had done it who obviously had uh, a good amount of money and he wanted to provide two people, a man and a woman, with uh, money towards the charity of their choice uh, as long as we all, as a team, anyone that participated in the 2017 marathon, we voted on the uh, most, you know, camaraderie and class, and um, who the female was and the male during the, the last six in the last part of the the World Marathon Challenge, and uh, we would find out. We all wrote on a piece of paper a male and a female name. Of uh, the person that we felt should win the awards, and we gave it to the race director, and then he held on to it until the finish in Australia. So we didn't know, but uh, it was a nice chunk of change that would go to your charity of choice. And again, it was for the the female and male that had, um, you know, I'm I'm missing the name of it. Um, God, oh, like the
0: miscongeniality types. Actually.
1: Yeah, well, sportsmanship. Sports. I'm sorry, not miscongeniality. Yeah, that would have been me too. <laughs> <So> anyway, <laughs> we landed in Australia and unfortunately we were behind. We were supposed to land at 10 and we didn't get in until after midnight. Now this was a race. Of course we ran at all different times of day. And this was the first time we ran right at midnight. So we got down um, by the beach, stunning, stunning, stunning Australia. Um, each place I went I mean I was just in awe of you know different different things and I was in all of the media that came out and especially for me um, but the, the team did such a great job of pushing the story out so we got to Dubai and a man came up to me about my age and he goes Beth I've been waiting I um, took off work and I've been waiting to meet you now now remember I've never met this man and um we're getting ready to take off and he said you see where we ran was like in a cove area out and back around the water he said you see up on the cliff that structure and it was buildings you know and I couldn't really make out what it was just beautiful buildings on on the cliff he goes my son that's where he was and that was his last place where he was and I was like what is that he's like that's the bear house And I was like, what's the bear house? He goes, that's, that's children's hospital. He goes, my son um, passed away from brain cancer. And he goes, I'm here to support you. Well, oh my God.
0: Oh, that just made me well up a
1: little bit. I fell to my knees. And to this day, again, Jerry from Australia, I'm going to give him a shout out because he'll listen. Uh, He is the biggest DIPG, which is the number one killer of kids, DIPG tumors. He is my biggest uh, supporter from Australia, and um, he stayed there till I finished. And I'll tell you about what happened at the finish, but um, I ran that race for his son and I ran it for him. Um, he, even after the marathon, took me and Megan to some great tourist place and non-tourist place and showed us little parts of Australia in like a you know few hours that we had. But very humbling and very humbling for him to be there and to look up and see. That was the last place he said goodbye to his child in, you know, just uh, breathtaking. And, you know, in each country, something happened to me that, you know, either God or whoever our higher power is, you know, put in place for me to be able to get through this 168 hours. So. Now back to Ryan Hall. So Ryan Hall, who again is an Olympic marathon winner and runner, you know, it was uh it was taking a toll on Ryan. Now, Ryan at this point really wasn't running anymore. He has switched to weightlifting, he has a whole new body now. He, I don't know if you even have seen him, but wow, wow, wow. wow. I've only
0: seen him in his runner's body.
1: Okay check him out. In fact, he got a call from, uh, I think it was either Spartan or one of the mo- you know series. They want him to be on it, like, you know, kind of like Outcast or whatever those shows are, you know, Last Frontier. So he just got that. And he's really considering doing that, um, which I would consider doing it with him, like one of those uh, survivors. I guess that's what I was looking for, but he's not doing survivor. It's something else where you do it on your own. But um, he definitely would be the person because he, he's crazy and, and he would get through it. But um, his body has changed. So back to that, you know, this running was taking a toll on him. And lo and behold, I kicked his ass in Australia. So I can say I beat an Olympic uh, man. Uh, Good winner. for you,
0: then I, I know, that. I was like, I hold,
1: <laughs> I hold that against him because I was like, there's no way this chick is going to beat Ryan Hall. Like, you know, that was like one of my goals. And I did. And I was only because he was hurt. And he was like, I'm so overrunning. And it's like, he he didn't even want to, you know, finish it. He I mean, he was doing it for a great cause. But he was like, I can't stand running anymore. And I was like, Oh, this is awesome. I'm beating this guy. That's so awesome. anyway, on the last couple laps, Megan had come out, you know, and tried to do some interviewing. Of course, it was dark, but we did some filming while I was running. And you know, it was coming to an end and I was sad. It was like when I told you about the Ironman World Championship and I was coming around the corner and I was like, man, I just want to run 10 more miles. And the film crew was like, hell no, you know, we're done with you. And I, I just had it in me. It's like, I can do more. And the only thing that hurt on me, like, like I said, was my two little toes were raw, and you know I lost some toenails, but that's so common. Other than that, I felt so good, thanks to you know Alyssa and her great uh, training for me. Um, so she, Megan was interviewing me, and I just like I can't believe it's been almost 168 hours. I just you know, and and literally I came in under the six, 168, but I just couldn't believe it was it was coming to an end because, you know, you're thinking about what's next. And that was her question. She's like, what are you thinking? I'm like, I'm thinking, what can top this? When I was at Iron Man, I was like, there's nothing that can top this. And of course, crazy friends, they found something to top it. So I'm just waiting, you know, for the great friends of mine to find something else to top it um, after COVID, so that I can start training again for it. But
0: I was just going to ask, have they found anything yet? (laughs)
1: Um, No, because everything's on hold, but I think they're, they're brewing something, but, um, you know, I cried. I was just like, you know, for once in my life, I was actually proud of myself. And that's saying a lot for me because I'm very, um, insecure in how I feel about myself and, and where I am in life. And, um, I think I, I got that from an early age. Um, and I just, I was like, wow, I I did this. And uh, again, I knew this wasn't about Beth Ann Telford. I was proud of myself, but I was so happy for the kids that are fighting and them to know that there's hope because that's a huge word in my vocabulary, but also for the parents that lost loved ones and uh, to know that I am fighting that, you know, uh, other parents don't have to go through what they have to go through. So I got to the finish line. Of course, you know you get all these medals. You get a medal for each continent. You get the the Guinness Book of World Records. You know, huge thing. You get the World Marathon. You get like you know all these medals. It was like, I felt like Michael Phelps and I had more medals than Michael Phelps. And I was like, I think the, the best picture is when I came back to DC and the local uh, political uh, magazine did an article on me and we had all my medals in front of the Washington monument. And I was like, here you go, Michael Phelps, you know, this is, this is Beth Ann a little girl from a country in uh, Pennsylvania, you know, kicking some ass for pediatric cancer. But anyway, um, I got across the finish line. The first thing the race director said is, Beth, you know, congratulations, you did it. You know, he's a great race director, just like Rick Neal is. Um, Richard is up there with him. And he said, uh, I wanted to tell you, you also have a nice check for your foundation because you won the sportsmanship award. Look from- at you. Yeah, <laughs> like that yeah, sportsmanship. <laughs> yeah, and I, I believe Megan knew cause she was ready to film, but I think, you know, she kind of knew she was like, oh, we kicked ass, you know. That's um, awesome,
0: congratulations. Yeah. yeah,
1: and um, the best part, uh, that was great. I mean, because it was more money to find a cure. And I was over the moon from my teammates to pick me just over the moon because I thought it was going to be, you know, someone else who I had voted for. Uh, which she ended up getting, uh, something from other people. So that, that was all good and and said and done. But, uh, the best part was when I saw Jerry and I said, you know, I did this for you, you know, um, I did this for your son. And I believe, um, you know, that hit him hard. And we sat down, um, by the beach and at the finish line. And I said, I wish I had something to give you. And I looked down at my shoe and I was like, shit, you know, what am I going to do with the shoe from Australia with the flag on it? There was no way he was going to get the other shoe because that was one of my pediatric kids. Um, right. So, I said, you know, Jerry, I can give you the shoe with Australia on it to remember what I did for you and your, and your son. He's like, what? I said, yeah. And Megan just looked at me and he's, she's like, yeah, just do it. Um, so I left there with only one shoe. <laughs> I came back with, um, you know, thir- uh, 14, uh, like, well, I guess it was 13.5 shoes, um, but he took my shoe and he later, um, you know, texted me that the shoe actually fit him. I don't know. The man must have some small shoes because I'm an eight running shoe. I'm usually a seven, but you know, as runners, you, and especially with my legs and my feet being swollen, I was in an eight, but it fit the man. But he has that uh, New Balance sneaker to this day, and of course we keep in touch to this day. Um, uh, but not everyone finished. Uh, you know, there was people like I said that had to drop out, and you know, we had some issues with people, um, you know, getting sick. But it was over, and I was just like, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I felt great. I um, until three days later. Um, we were still in Australia and we had to get back to the States cause I had all of these interviews to do. And I also, you know, at some point had to get back to my full-time job. Um, it hit me. I mean, it hit me. Jet lag hit me and it hit Megan. Thank God at the same time. And we like missed like hours of the day we were going to go to you know the opera house which I was able to see but I wanted to go inside you know things that I wanted to do and hell we had to get up we were like shit we got to get to a plane I mean and then we were flying like regular class so we were we were like oh man this sucks you know we might smell flew- better but yeah, yeah <laughs> we just flew like first class around the world and now we're getting I- you know, we're going back but uh, it was great. Even flying back, the people had known, you know, heard about my story and the flight attendants were awesome. You know, I was getting stuff like pillows and stuff because I wasn't even first class, but they were keeping me uh, well, well attended to. But we got, uh, you know, we finished up and said our goodbyes to all our great friends. A lot of us still keep in touch Um you know, there's a lot of people looking to do this world marathon. It's a great platform when it does convene again, or Richard just has like the Antarctica and the North pole marathon, which is cool. And, you know, just for just shits and giggles to do it. I mean, when COVID breaks, it's such a great thing to do. And I can tell you, you know, if I can do it in the conditions that I'm in, as long as you listen to your body and you have a great coach. And again, Alyssa Morrison just hooked me up and it was something that I did not believe in, like cutting my time back that much. But, and and I paid for it and I knew this was gonna happen. Um, But that doesn't mean like getting back on a bike after 10 years of being off of it, you know how to pedal and you know how to balance. So it's just taking time and um, Jim from FRC is working with me to get me back on my paces and I feel like I'm almost there um, back on my run uh, speeds and, um, you know, just got back to the States and it was just overwhelming I did interviews every day day, uh, in between work and weekends to the point where I actually, I, I got burned out. I, I, I truly did. I have to be. Imagine. That's, that's a lot. Yeah. Um, telling my story over and over again and rehashing, uh, you know, cause part of my story is my mom's alcoholism and and things, you know, and learning how to walk and, you know, some intimate parts of my life. Not that I don't share it, but after six months, I kind of, um, I said, that's it. I, I backed out of some black tie affairs. I felt terrible because some of them were for good friends, but I needed to hibernate. I, I really needed to hibernate. I felt like I was on, um, you know, on the spotlight and I just felt like I needed time to be myself and, and just go inward instead of outward. So I did, I took like a month off and then I was like, "What am I doing?" You know, I got to get myself together. And then I went right back at it. And you know, it has since dwindled. But there is people that you know are picking it up, especially during COVID, about what they're going to do after COVID. And I mean, if you really are have something in your heart that you want to raise money for or awareness for, not even money, it's a great platform. And what a way to see the world! Um, now, again, you see it fast and furious. But how many people can say that they've run seven marathons on seven continents and seven straight days? Um, And, you know, it's just, it's been huge. And the amount of people that I met through it was just tremendous. And um, it um, sounds
0: like the, just the camaraderie between how many of you were there? Like 33 runners, right?
1: Um, I think there was 22, Okay. Uh, that that number sticks in my head i think it was 22 and um 20 of us finished or maybe it was 30 and 30 30 finished maybe you're right um for some reason i thought it was 22 but i could well, never...
0: either way I, I, what i was getting at was the camaraderie between the all the runners and the support for one another because this is not a traditional competitive race sure you you there are ranks in the whatever in the end, but it was more about finishing it and oh, just yeah. going through this adventure together.
1: Yeah. And another neat thing was um, if you think about it, um, we ran during the inauguration of the president four year, four years ago. Yeah. And um, so that was happening. But also halfway through was the Chinese New Year. And there was people that were on the plane from from that area. And they had. A party in the plane for Chinese New Year's and gave everyone gifts. That's like their thing. Yep. And it was, it was just so cool. And it was like candy and um so and it was from China. I mean, it was it was so cool. They had packed, you know, uh like almost like their New Year's Eve bags of like blowers and hats, and you know, it was just really cool that they would think about that and share that with everyone. Now, the only thing about them was when us people from the other side of the country were trying to sleep, they were up. <laughs> and it's like, come on it's guys, <laughs> someone, someone get on our schedule. No, I'm during the whole like seven, seven days. They were up oh, gotcha, yeah. eating, eating dinner, eating, you know? So, um, so that was the only thing, but no, it was the group that we, we did it with were just awesome. And we all like, you know, We know each other's stories. We've met wives and, you know, families and, you know, I can't say enough about that event. It was the highlight of of my um, journey.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it. I mean, it's like I'm trying to work myself back to just one marathon because the 2012 (laughs) marathon, my Big Sur marathon was so traumatized. It wasn't even that traumatizing. It was just so hard. But I'm trying to work myself back to one marathon. And yeah. that's because of you guys, honestly. <laughs> you, yeah, seriously. And for well, um, all the talk about Boston, I'm like, ugh, I should, I should just get back to a marathon. But let alone seven in a row, like you just did. I, I'm just in awe. And it's, but in the same time, at the same time, As you said, like, it's possible. It's doable. It's something. Yeah. And
1: and speaking of Boston, uh, Rick, who runs the Boston Marathon, you know, the race director, he did it um, the year after me. And uh, unfortunately now he's, he's actually just, I think he just had a surgery. Um, So he's laid up, which is fine because, well, it's not fine, but, you know, right now with running season done uh, due to COVID, he has that downtime. So, Um, yeah, but he did it. And doing Boston, you know, I've done it, as you know, six times, but you always want to get back there. And, you know, my girlfriend just qualified at uh, Harrisburg, which we talked about prior. And, um, you know, I just want to get back there for her too. So.
0: Definitely. Now, what was the hardest? I mean, you talked about Dubai and the heat. So was that the hardest part about racing seven back-to-back marathons or what was the hardest
1: part? No, uh, it was hard. Don't get me wrong. Dubai was was difficult and it was a mental game for me, um, but I've been through worst with the cancer and, and the loss of so many people in my life. Um, the hardest part was, you know, having someone there. Megan, yeah, she was there. But I'm not attached to Megan like I am, you know, my parents or a loved one. Uh, that was the hardest part: is not having that support, not being able to call or pick up the phone um, because of no connection. Now I did have international, but it was very frequent, um, infrequent, I should say. That was wrong of me to say. Um, but that that was the hardest part. Is you know, usually when I'm racing or at an event, I have like a team of people that come out or crew for me my sisters um their families uh and i didn't have that uh, other than miami and i think that was the hardest part of like being almost like homesick um that That was
0: as you said like you're very close to your family and you're having them around when you're racing so doing something this epic without them at every step of the way i can only imagine yeah
1: yeah. So that, that probably was the hardest part, which sounds very childish, but, uh, I'm a child by heart and I'm the baby of three girls. So, um, you know, daddy's favorite and always with dad and, um, that that's hard.
0: No, it doesn't sound childish at all. I think it just <laughs> proves how close you are to your family. Yeah. <laughs> and then opposite, what was the favorite memory, your favorite memory of the of world marathon challenge?
1: My favorite memory probably was um, was Jerry. Uh, That was that was humbling. I fell to my knees when he told me, you know, to look up there. And you know, it was hard for him to come out there. You know, parents don't want to go back to that part where you had to, you know, you sing goodbye your child, where it should be the other way around. And um, I thought a lot about that on the run because when I was diagnosed, and if you remember the last time we spoke. I was so happy when I got cancer because I wouldn't have to bury my parents because they'd be burying me. And then after talking to my dad's friend, he's like, you don't, you don't mean this. That's very mean of you to say, you know, he really set me in my place. He really did. Um, So I thought a lot about that. And I think that was, that was, uh, that was trying, but I knew again in my heart, that's why I was there. And it wasn't someone in the United States I was running for, you know, for, Um, the money wasn't going to Australia, but, you know, us finding a cure in the United States then could go to Australia and, you know, or people could come to a different area. Um, so advancing that, that cure helps people all over the world. And I I needed to know that. And I did. And, um, so that was a a great part of it.
0: Yeah. Finding a cure for cancer is not just a USA thing, that this That's exactly is international, right? right? Or, or yeah. global.
1: Yeah. yeah. People don't realize that. I mean, there is, you know, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, they share a lot with international. They have a consortium that, you know, they're, they're really doing a great job of it. Same with University of Florida, who I think will be the place that you will find the cure for children's cancer. They are so close. And uh, I'm just very pleased to be working with them. Um, I just love them. That's awesome. Now, last question. Sure. Would
0: you do the World Marathon Challenge again?
1: Absolutely, I would. And I say that very fastly because uh, it's been um, asked, you know, something of me to do again. Yes, I would. Um, because I know what I'm into and uh, I feel I actually feel strong. I need to gain weight. I've lost, you know, we talked, I've lost some weight and um, and I'm not really at a, I'm strong, but I could be stronger. So I, I would need to get with the nutrition part of my oncology to work on that. But absolutely. And I would love to, if someone wanted to do it, I would love to do it with them. Um, the only problem is finding a, a sponsor to do it. I'm, I know my sponsor would probably do it again. I did not stress this, but my sponsor, um, right before I left, to go around the world. His niece uh got brain cancer. And uh it hit us hard uh mm-hmm. because here, you know, I was the only person other than outside of his realm, you know, that that had brain cancer. Um and he was sponsoring me. He loved my story. Um and I came, you know, became close with his family, his children, his wife. Um, and then here his niece uh, has brain cancer and she got the DIPG and they, they flew her down to, they were, they're from up, up North. They flew her down to university of Florida and they did a lot of treatments on her. And when I came back around the world, um, and she had a pair of my shoes, she designed her nickname was peachy, um, peaches, but we called her peachy and, uh, I went down, I flew down to see her before I left, saw her at the hospital, had lunch with her. Um, unfortunately, um, she passed when I came back. And um yeah. it uh it sucks. And that's my sponsor. So yeah, would he sponsor me again? Probably because he's trying to find a cure uh for this this terrible disease. And now, you know, it's really on his plate for someone that's so close to him in his life. You know, he's lost a niece. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. Yeah, no, this is, I mean, it's, it's interesting that you say, you said earlier that, I mean, 16 years ago is not that long ago and that it was really not as prevalent or talked about or whatever. And now I could tell you, I probably, I have definitely one friend right now who's suffering of brain cancer. Wait,
1: you've got two. Wait a minute. What about you? Sorry. Sorry. Don't discount me. I'm I'm, I'm your friend now. Oh, you're sweet. Yes. So two friends
0: that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to and I'm close with, and then I could tell you there's probably three or four that I am acquainted with or not necessarily in touch with every day. So it is, it is worth the fight that you're fighting. So Mm -hmm. I, I admire everything that you do for this disease and for, you know, the fact that you are racing in your condition because you still have cancer. It's not like it's gone. Right. So.
1: Right. um,
0: You're uh, pretty incredible
1: well, i the offer is open for you to come run Marine Corps. Uh, Suzanne will come up and I got i got a four bedroom house here, so there's a lot of room here, and I'd love to have you um so, so think I of would love out. to
0: run a marathon in November let's of October sorry I keep saying yeah October, October. yeah you,
1: you would love it too and um Rick Nealis really treats everyone like VIP and um I would love to have you so you have you and, and your your better half can come out and come to this side of the world again that you well, used to live do.
0: in. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I'll I'll take you up on that. You know, yeah. I'm trying not to plan too far ahead just because we don't know what's going to happen.
1: I know, They ju- I just got a note that the New York City half that I was in got canceled in February. So mm-hmm. I, I just can't believe it. I, I thought, well, you know, hold out to the new year and give me the bad news, but. Yeah, I know yep but on that
0: note let's stay positive positive. and yep. um i you know i just started training for a marathon distance i don't know if it, i'm gonna run it by myself if that's what i need to do but it's i'm not signing up for anything it's just it's something i want to do for my 45th birthday in march
1: wow march what
0: march what
1: march 23rd oh wow okay good
0: so yeah um and i'm totally counting on running it virtually by myself for myself. Oh good you for know? you. And um and then once I accomplish that,
1: then we can talk Marie Corps. <laughs> well, if you can do it in March, you just keep you know training through that and you'll be fine. Right. But I mean there's people that walk it and you know you'll be fine. But really consider it. I think it would be awesome and give, you know, give you a new perspective of a military marathon.
0: For sure, no, I, I've I have friends who run it um, before, so I, yeah, it's definitely on my list. I mean, now that marathons are back on my list, thanks to you and Susan.
1: <laughs> yeah, just bring plenty of wine with you, and we'll. Be uh, no,
0: no problem on that front.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I knew that.
0: Um, all right, Bethann. Well, I really, really appreciate you coming on at such short notice again, and. And talking with me, and I love this story, I I will definitely keep my eye open for this challenge because it sounds amazing. Yes. And
1: um, hopefully, as I said, or we said, we will run something together sooner rather than later. Absolutely. I, I really look forward to that. I think it's going to be great for us. Agreed. All right. You have a wonderful weekend and rest up from
0: all your tests yesterday. And... I hope to see you soon and I'll definitely speak to you soon.
1: All right. Stay safe and healthy. You too.
0: Again, isn't she the coolest? What an epic badass. If you haven't listened to my first interview with Beth Ann, I encourage you to revisit episode 203 Beth Telford Running with Brain Cancer. You can also read up on her online, on her website, teambt.org, and on Instagram at hope.is.my.word. Hope is my word. If you're interested in learning more about the World Marathon Challenge, go to worldmarathonchallenge.com. You better start training if you want to race. The next one starts November 30th, 2021. In case you're looking for me in other corners of the World Wide Web, the best way to find me is on Facebook and Instagram under my name, Antonia De Heinrich. That is A-N-T-O-N-I-A-D-E-H-E-I-N-R-I-C-H. On Facebook, head on over to the I Quit X and Started Running page and or join the Quit Something, Start Running group to follow and share stories. It's a great place to be inspired and inspire others with your transformation. We love to hear your stories. And if you're interested in joining me as a guest on my podcast, simply email your story to quitxstartrunning at gmail.com. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you enjoy my show. Leave a rating and maybe even a review. Also, be sure to go to settings and turn on notifications to receive a reminder every time there is a new episode. Thank you so much for joining me today, and I hope to see you back here soon. Until then, my friends, quit whatever you're doing and start running.